This is some bonus content. Pastor Michael, it is another unusual week here on the Restless Podcast because yep. we are not on the same episode again. Again, we're just here to jump in for a little bit of bonus and then allow you to enjoy uh, an interview. Um, so we thought that it would be good for you to hear both of our voices together um, as they you know, really should be. And we would react to something that Matt said we would react to. <laughs> That's right. Well, I just, you know, I get sent things. I get, I get asked things and, and um, I, you know, it felt like, well, uh, we haven't done something like this for a little while. Let's, let's do a little cage stage content, baby. Let's do a little, let's do a little right up the middle Calvinist, uh, Calvinist win content. Um, and so I, found this video or was sent it i don't know how it's been sitting in a in a file when was this uh when was this tweeted out by reasonable faith very reasonable this faith uh the 22nd so this has not been uh this has not been this isn't something i got a super long time ago but here it is and it is william lane craig answering the question molinism and calvinism what's the difference theology hashtag theology hashtag molinism hashtag calvinism Pastor Michael, before we give the good, uh, is he a doctor? I assume he's a doctor. The doctor, William Lane Craig, uh, a chance to answer this question that he loves to answer, by the way. He loves to uh, say the preponderance of the evidence points to the resurrection. He loves to say that. <laughs> but he also loves to talk about molinism. Oh, man. What How a you bore. answer? What's the difference? <laughs> you get a, someone, <laughs> someone comes to you, you know, I've been hearing about this thing. Molinism and and it's it's pr promoted by a reasonable faith. I'm a reasonable guy, Pastor Michael. What's the difference between Calvinism and Molinism? So one of them is in the Bible. Is <laughs> it's maybe one way to put it. And obviously, the word Calvinism isn't in the Bible. Wow. Um, Molinism is also the kind of thing that, like it's it's talked about now because William Lane Craig is here. Like that, it's not, this isn't sticking around. Like this is not something that we're going to see a lot of after Dr. Craig is no longer with us. I just don't think it will be. I don't think anybody really cares. Um, I think that, that uh, he does. He does. And that makes a lot of people care. But I just don't think, I, I think it's one of those more obscure things that somebody of, of Craig's philosophical bent might be really interested in, but most people, especially um, those who, you know, engage in more so the, the history of, of theology and the development of theology and things like that just won't, it just isn't even going to be the kind of thing that people care to continue talking about. So here is why we're still going to talk about it. So I would actually answer probably pretty similarly. I would say one is a Jesuit trick and one is the uh, <laughs> is theological reflection from the, the Reformation. Um, uh, by the way, everybody, yes, Molinism was invented. Literally, literally, literally a Jesuit trick. <laughs> literally as a Jesuit trick by Jesuit monks during the Counter-Reformation to yep, present yep. a position on God's decree that would not eliminate all of the roman catholic teachings which is what luther said happened when he wrote the bondage of the will and calvin obviously believed in his um 
extensive teaching on it, right? Which is where we get the name Calvinism. The idea that God moves first, that God is sovereign. God is powerful to save whoever he likes. And he does so by the working of his spirit and their faith, right? And obviously, even that very brief statement, Pastor Michael, I just, I, here's, there's two reasons we're doing this. One, I just hear from listeners that um, they're like, man, I, we don't, you don't explain everything you think. And I'm just learning that we're getting more and more, not like I've been a new Calvinist for 10 years, kind of listeners. We're kind of, we're falling, we're starting to fall into just like one of the reform podcasts. And I get frustrated when I go to look for like, oh, I need a reformed like podcast or thing on this question to send to someone and it doesn't exist. And it makes me mad. And so I'm like, maybe I need to start actually making more things like that. Yeah. But two, I think I also have a personal experience with Molinism, not because I was ever attracted by it. I was a, uh, I was, um, uh, I was radicalized to Calvinism long before um, Molina, via, <laughs> uh, William Lane Craig came back. Also, Molinism. I mean, Calvinism, like as a phrase, is its own. You know, I mean, it maybe it doesn't have the best sound to it. Molinism doesn't even sound nice at all. Like it just, it just does not. God. Um, God did not give the common grace of a good sounding name to that Jesuit priest, <laughs> uh, Molina. So, but I knew someone in college. I wonder if he'd still hold this today. Don't know. Um, I've And I've known multiple people that people who get really into apologetics, but not as much into the history of theological development and these kinds yep. of things, they are very attracted to someone like William Lane Craig for his good qualities, which again, we're not denying that there are some, though, once you start looking at anything he says about theology, you start to go, I wonder how many, I wonder how important those good qualities are when it's like, <laughs> when he's like embracing certain, like, yeah, I think I might hold uh, divergent views on the person of Christ, right? Like very, very strange when he starts coming to those conclusions. But people then hear him talk about another favorite subject, which happens to be this, and they go, this is a a reasonable alternative. I don't need to be, you know, these these angry Calvinists because they know cage stage Calvinists like me, yep. the people I know who were attracted to this. They knew me when I was an angry yep. cage stage Calvinist. Which nobody likes. We'll reiterate nobody that. Likes. We've talked about this before. Nobody likes it. Nobody <laughs> likes it. And I don't have to be those Arminians who uh, say things like, I don't have to be fooled into saying things like I don't believe in predestination only to be like completely player owned by cage stage Calvinists that go, let me open to you the biblical word you just <laughs> said you didn't believe in. And nobody likes that feeling either, right? And so, dare I say, Molinism feels like to a person who likes apologetics and likes this kind of reasoning a third way. A a, a third way. And so Let's listen to how this, sorry, I was about to do something so unwinsome. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm powered through. We're already like, we've already blown through this. <laughs> that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> ship has sailed. Let's hear how this Jesuit trick differs from Calvinism. From <laughs> Molinism holds that logic. Dude, his voice, it, gets, it really gets me every time. It, it really does. Prior to God's decree of a world, God knows what various creatures would do in various circumstances in which you might place them and how they would freely react. So 
again, just to make it clear, what he's saying is Molinism says God knows before his de- he decrees anything how free creatures in any free world he would create would react to whatever stimuli and whatever would happen in that world. And so by decreeing to create just those people in just those circumstances and then leaving them to do as they want, God knows exactly uh, what will happen. And so... So, so Pastor Michael, he's going to give an answer. How would you understand how that specific way of framing it um and now he's and this is a by the way just so everyone knows because this is a two-minute video he's taken something that uses layers and layers of philosophical language and he's trying to bring it down to something and i appreciate that because who cares about like (laughs) the philosophical concept of middle knowledge and how like these kinds of things um so how would you say what he just said kind of differs from from Calvinism, because I do think, especially with how he just presented it, it actually could sound fairly similar. Yeah. Well, so just the basic idea of if God, like God in creating these things, knew how they would act, knew what they would do in given situations. Um, so far, sure, like that there's basic agreement there. Um, I think that where you're going to find uh, m- most of a difference. Um, and I, I don't know where he goes from here, um, but is that up to that point, you could have what is basically, uh, you know, as, as much as I know, he says it's free, but I mean, you have a, it's, it's almost like a clockwork kind of world, right? It's yep. a, right. I mean, he's, he is um, actively at all times holding all things together. He is, he is maintaining everything in him. We live, move and have our being. And so, um, so that's where I think where you're going to find the differences. There's, there's going to be that kind of a divide. So, so at a minimum, you're saying it would be a very different view of God's involvement in the world, God's involvement via Providence. I think one of the, the problems we'll find here is, you know, Molinism doesn't fix, which is one of the things that it promises to fix the idea of, God um, being sovereign and human responsibility mm-hmm. and the the problems of evil and stuff. Yeah, because like he all, still. Yeah, he so you're like, oh, so he still made everything and knew exactly how everything was going to happen and did that. Yep. And so when then when William Lane Craig says, but people are free, right? Everyone goes. No one is like, I just think it doesn't fix one of the the emotional and philosophical argument against Calvinism that everyone makes. I don't think Molinism helps that really right. at all. Um, yeah, it leads you to the same place we've dealt with this when we talk about, you know, latent flowers or Minionism and how, like you just you get to this point where um, you like you're still saying the same thing. You haven't fixed anything um, except maybe making God less involved in your right. life like now, <laughs> you know, like that's maybe the closest thing, which is not actually as comforting as you think it really is. People are predestined in the sense that God knew exactly what they would freely choose to do in the world that God has decreed, and yet they are free to do whatever they want and to respond to God's grace or not as they will. So it's been rightly said that on Molinism, it's up to God whether we find ourselves in a world in which we are predestined, 
but it is up to us whether we are predestined in the world in which we find ourselves. Now, the Cal- <laughs> Pastor Michael, has that been uh, rightly said? Oh, man, what a what a garbled mess. <laughs> what a great way to say nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, what? A, so you even heard, by the way, in in how he started there that it seems to me that you you still have to have this philosophical concept of God as inherently limited in some way. Oh yeah. Like he has to be, and he is, he is by very definition, he has to be distant. Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a classical historic understanding of God is that he is not limited. He is, he is not, uh, he is not finite in any way. He, he is not, far away and distant um he, like he is actively and completely involved in everything at all times right i mean he's he is he is right Wh- whereas we we have our being in him he is and so th- it just you run into so many problems when you go down this road where you have to find right. a way to make me my own thing where i get to be the one that am right like yeah. i am i have to be the one that that exists in and of itself so that god has to be reacting to me even in creation right, right? well wait a minute that's like that ha- that is so obviously it seems to me logically backward right this is actually what molinism though again thinks it fixed right it yep right so arminian the Arminian understanding of an election is what we in the cage stage community, you know, the recovering cage stage community, <laughs> we call the like the back to the future version of election yeah. and predestination. God foresees what you were going to do and then thereby ele- elects you and predestines you. Right. That's what his foreknowledge. His election is basically just foreknowledge. I know it means I know what's going to happen. Right. So he can make available to everyone these kinds of this kind of grace and because he knows who will avail them of that grace one way to describe that would be election obviously again we've talked about how we don't really think that helps anything given that he still knows exactly what uh there and there are a lot of other problems with it molinism comes along and says what if god god but I think this is the issue is it's is how it still limits God and yeah, it, but yeah. it does it in a strange and philosophical way. The kind of Arminianism is just it's limiting God on like bare man is free. Man has to be able to decide. Yep. Molinism says, well, there's this there's this set of knowledge God has by which he can create. And so the ultimate question that Molinism cannot answer and it still does it, as you're saying, to defend man's autonomy, right? It's doing it to defend the idea that God has created certain worlds where the Roman, where the sacramental system of the Roman Catholic Church will provide sufficient grace for you to do what you need to to be saved, right? That is why Molinism exists. But the question has to be asked, where does this knowledge of what everyone would do in all these possible worlds come from? So God can make all there's this this set of possible worlds and the amount of people God can save in every world, right? And I think William Lane Craig often says, I don't think he'll say it in this video because it's so short, 
right? God is going to create the world with the most possible good. And that might be the most possible people saved, right? Who are free. Well, well, who set those rules? Where did God get, where did God get that? What is constraining him? And the answer is what you've made is you've made God into a good chess player or a good card player. He's playing the hand he's dealt the very best way he can. That's how he's limited. And you and I are pawns, which might feel not the best, right? Like we're, you know, you have a, Michael has the way he can move and God's like, well, if I put him here, that'll be the, you know, best possible situation. And you know, what's really even a bummer about that is that you're saying like, again, when you then come up to the problem of evil, you then, you then like, you get into these weird positions, like I think it makes the problem of evil even stranger. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I think <laughs> this is funny, right? Uh, it is. It's Molinism has not fixed the problem that everyone feels when they learn about Calvinism. It's such a though. So I I love philosophy. By the way, I am not. I actually think that true philosophy there it is so um, good and right and necessary and actually that um, a lot of of people that deal in theology, especially a lot of, you know, reform folks um, who maybe they've read a lot of systematic theology or things like that would really benefit from having a deeper philosophical underpinning. So I, I say what I'm about to say with that, uh, with that as well, right? I, I feel that fully. Also, this is such a system of the philosophers, you know, like it doesn't actually answer a question. It just uses bigger words to say something else, but it doesn't like, it doesn't actually deal with what you think you're dealing with, but you think that because you can, you can just, uh, you know, lay it out the way that he just did like, haha, isn't this a fun little turn of phrase (laughs) that it like fixes something? Yeah. this It's like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't answer any questions. This is of course the other, uh, more even significant problem with Molinism is that it is a system built entirely without uh, any scriptural basis. Yep. Third, not, you know, like that, that's how God's decree works and all of this um, middle knowledge and, you know, all of these, all of these components. And this is, again, we can, we can have debates and, and again, we should dive into, you know, the people's being unhappy about Thomas Aquinas sometime, but we all have to acknowledge that the limits of philosophy ha- have to begin when it comes to the mind of God, that God must tell us about himself, right? We don't have the power by pure reason to penetrate the heavens. Now, when he reveals something to us, we should use reason, yep. right? We should use the, it's not bad to use these systems. It's not bad to think about the world as we know it, but to penetrate things like the eternal decree of God if he does not tell us, we do not know, right? That's just the end of the day. If he does not tell us, we do not know, right? And yeah, so like even just having some level of epistemic humility is right. so important when like when you're dealing especially with these. And this was one of the problems, it still is one of the problems with cage stage Calvinism, right? Is that it's like, it's like, I figured it out. I know it. Right. Like, I know everything about God's decree and how he works and how he and predestines. This is, and that's yeah. a huge problem, right? Uh, because, but, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, because it, because while Calvinism does take its understanding of the decree from the Bible, what God has told us, 
cage states Calvinists then say, I will take that and I now can explain what God has decreed about every individual scenario. Yep. We're we're talking about you, guy who's like, yeah, I don't think they're regenerate. They're not yeah. regenerate. They're yep. regenerate. They're not regenerate. <laughs> or, or bad counselor guy like, hey, just, you know, this really hard thing in your life. Here are the ways God's using this to his glory. Aren't wrong. Guess what? The proper humble, probably more comforting answer is I don't know what God is doing either. Right. Let's let's pray. Why oh let's God? Pray. Like yes. This what, wh- is why that are you doing solves? this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yet this I call to mind. And so I have exactly. you know, like exactly. there's yeah. But he is doing something, right? That's right. We can we can have hope and faith in that and not be idiots and claim and here is what he's doing. Um, you know, we can't be mis we don't have to be Job's miserable counselors right amongst him Calvinist finds this unacceptable because he's right there's one thing we a hundred percent you are a hundred percent right about the Calvinist finds this unacceptable uh it is not God who determines how creatures would freely act in various circumstances the Calvinist insists that an absolutely sovereign God must himself determine how creatures would act in various circumstances. And so God, you know, Pastor Michael, can an absolutely certain and sovereign being a being with absolute sovereignty, not determine, be left to have other beings be determined or another realm of knowledge or eventualities determine him and what he may do is, I mean, I, I can philosophize a little bit. I'm not good at it, but it feels like you then would be saying, it sounds like you're not so absolute, right? Like the term absolute has a very, you know, if if Armenians get to say all means all, and that's all all means. My my turn of phrase is going to be absolutely, absolutely means absolute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is where you run into problems um again with what with what we're saying that there's something outside what would it even mean that a god can know everything you're going to do in every situation and create you and put you in the situation you're in and create you exactly how you are and not be the one who in doing so has determined what will come to pass we'll see what happens (laughs) right like that that doesn't even those two things do not cohere, which is why the inevitable logical conclusion of everything like this is some kind of open theism. It's some kind of limiting of God. Even if it's a self-limiting, you have to say in some way that God, despite not having this revealed anywhere in the scripture or anywhere else, we have to we have to argue that God doesn't know certain things uh, because he can't know them if all of your presuppositions are going to be true. And no matter what you want to say about Calvinism, you must defend God as absolute. He is who he is. He is the unquenchable fire who burns without fuel, right? He is yep. dependent on no one. He is dependent on nothing. Yes. He is life in himself. From yeah. which all and life the, is And derived. the maker of heaven and earth, like he did yeah. make everything. So he, all those things are true. That's right. All everything, of everything, everything that is has its being because of him. 
Correct. And so when you say that there might be a middle knowledge or some kind of delimiting thing of of possible worlds, you have just that is not absolute. Right. Again, I would rather have, which is the circles Michael and I would have grown up in an inconsistent person saying, I don't believe in Calvinism. And you say, is God absolute? Does he know all things? Did he like, is he before all things? Is he, is he through all things? And they'd say, yes, 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 yes. And then you go and Calvinism, they go, well, that's that guy. That guy was a horrible guy. I would rather have that than this. Right. (laughs) Right. Laterally determines to create uh, these creatures uh, and these circumstances. And he determines what they will do in those circumstances so that everything is foreordained and predestined by a kind of unilateral divine determinism, which is incompatible with the libertarian free will that the Molinist is so anxious to affirm. And ding, ding, here it is, ladies you and gentlemen. Right. What, <laughs> you what are is right. The, what is it that you... I again, I don't even know how Molinism actually in the end defends libertarian free will. I really don't. It just starts there. Yeah. I I don't know what about you being made and God, everything up like it actually in I I know this is like this is like the ultimate like cheap shot move. It actually eliminates actual free will because when you have genuine moral free will, which by the way, just so everyone knows, cage stagers and those who are uncomfortable with this, the Westminster Confession of Faith, to my great su- surprise when I was in the cage stage, has a chapter called On Free Will. I'd have been like, man, that's going to be a short chapter what? where it says, there is none, baby. Like, that's, that's how I would have. Mike drop. Yeah. No, it just says, you know, point number one. Ha ha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. If you if you thought there was going to be anything else in this chapter, you're an Arminian. <laughs> there is again. This is why when the problem, you know, I do believe. Right, we've talked about that. There are Calvinists who want to talk about. We do believe in free will, which we obviously do. Um, the problem with like making that your big thing that you tell people who you just meet when you're telling them about Calvinism and they don't know much about it is the only definition they have for free will is libertarian william lane craig's this kind of free will which you which we which we fundamentally do deny and so i don't think it's helpful to be like no i do believe in it i think you can help them understand but the problem with the way he's even talking about free will is that free will um so you get to do whatever it is right like you you God did not predetermine your actions, right? The possible world and situation and all of those things, right? uh, Determined how you would act, right? And you get to act in that world exactly how you would want to act. The problem is your environment is now completely controlling your ability to choose. You actually have, this is like the atheistic, mechanicistic, I have these certain chemicals firing in my head and that's why I act the way I do. Yeah, which yeah. is, I believe, antithetical to actual moral free will. Like you are no longer a moral being with the possibility of acting in one way or another as a creature of God, mm. right? I'm not saying you can will the contrary to God, but let me go to the chapter on free will here because this is literally how it begins. Um, and of course, it you know the problems with this is you know we don't 
we don't have time to get into all of this. Maybe we'll do something on free will sometime. Um, but the problem is, is when we say the creator unilaterally predetermines everything. Okay. It's right. There's a difference of how God said, let there be light. And there's a different way that he brought your salvation and the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection yeah, yeah. of Lazarus. God acts differently in all of those scenarios. And so to say, this is exactly what Reformed theology doesn't want you to flatten everything down to. God just says everything's going to happen and happens the way he says, and that's what he wants, the end, right? Yeah. That's exactly what they're trying to avoid. Um, and I know that that is, the, that is the great objection to Calvinism. But it starts with of free will this. God hath endued freed will, the will of man, which is natural liberty that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to good or evil, right? This is what I literally think Molinism says. Your natural liberty at this point is completely necessary to nature, the possible world yeah. you were created in. Um, and then, you know, and we can, there's also the section on God's decree where it talks about mm -hmm. God God's causing actions, enabling you to act actually means you have real agency. Yes. Because again, as Michael has pointed out multiple times, and maybe this is the best place to leave it. God being more involved with the world is better news than worse news, right? Your mm. actions have more power because God is actually involved in them, right? Whereas, whereas the God steps back and I'm just watching everything happen now. I don't, again, it, it doesn't fix the, the questions which are natural to us in a, in a place of sin of, of the, the questions the psalmist asks when they consider God and the world they see around them. So it, it but it doesn't give us a better answer to that. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it makes things worse. Like you yep. talked about God. Libertarianism is cringe. It's <laughs> libertarianism is always cringe. It, uh, the thing about free will is that we talk about it in these loose ways as if like everybody either has it or they don't have it or, or something like that. Whereas the truth is you can be free, uh, but you are not if you are outside of Christ. And, and this is why Luther, when it came to the bondage of the will told, told Erasmus, you alone have found the crux of the issue. And, and literally William Lane Craig is literally following a Jesuit monk. I, I can quite literally, very honestly, I'm, and I, I guess I'm using the word literally because I guess it just feels so crazy to say he is on the other side of the Reformation when it comes to this issue. He has sided with the counter-Reformation when it comes to the will of man and God's decree of salvation. Pastor Michael, we still need people to subscribe to us watching the good faith debates. Um, I hope this spice with Dr. William Lloyd Craig may have uh, encouraged people to do so. Just think of how fun this would be if you got to enjoy us live reacting to debates that the Gospel Coalition thinks are worthy of having. <laughs> no edits. No nothing. <laughs>